0: From the rule of our Holy Father, St. Benedict, chapter the seventy-second, the Zelo Bono Quente Ventavere Monarchi, of the good zeal which monks ought to have. As there is an evil zeal of bitterness, which, separated from God, leads to hell, so there is a good zeal. Keepeth us from vice, and leadeth to God, and to life everlasting. Let monks, therefore, exert this zeal with most fervent love, that is, in honor preferring one another, and let them most patiently endure one another's infirmities, whether of body, Or of mind. Let them vie with one another in obedience. Let no one follow what he thinketh good for himself, but rather what seemeth good for another. Let them cherish fraternal charity with chaste love, fear God, love their abbot with sincere and humble affection. And prefer nothing whatever to Christ. And may He bring us all along to life everlasting. But thou Lord have mercy upon us. Thank you, God. God Coming to the end of the Holy Rule, Saint Benedict presents us with two ways. One of these, the way of and evil zeal, bitterness, separates from God and leads to hell. The other of these, the way of good zeal, keeps us from vice and leads to God and to life everlasting. The motif of the two ways is already found in the first psalm. Blessed is the man who does not guide his steps by ill counsel or turn aside where sinners walk or where scornful souls gather, sit down to rest. The man whose heart is set on the law of the Lord, on that law day and night his faults still dwell. You have here a kind of portrait, really, of the monk, the man whose heart is set on the law of the Lord. When our Lord said, concerning himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he applied to himself the terms used by the doctors of the law, and speaking of the Torah. The Torah, way, truth, and life. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, the man whose heart is set on Christ, this corresponds to what St. Benedict says in this second to the last chapter of the Holy Rule, that we are... prefer nothing to Christ. The man whose heart is set on the law of the Lord, on that law, day and night, his thoughts still dwell. I find it very helpful in praying the first psalm and the 18th psalm and the 118th psalm to insert the sweet name of Christ in every instance where we pronounce the law, thy law, thy statutes, thy ordinances, thy precepts, thy commandments, and so forth. It it opens up the psalm and illuminates it with the radiance of the face of our Lord. So, so too with the first psalm. He stands firm as a tree, planted by running water, ready to yield its fruit when the season comes. And this uh, the allusion to yielding fruit has to be uh, immediately related to the discourse of our Lord in John 15. So, uh, when a monk prays the first psalm and he encounters ready to yield its fruit in the text, immediately the light goes on, and he says, "Oh yes, John 15." Begins to make these mystical connections. And he begins to uh, see uh, all of the Bible. We had, that was a marvelous reading we had at lunch today from the life of Abbot Lubai, speaking of St. Bernard's approach to the sacred scriptures. St. Bernard uh, saw. The unity of the body of the scriptures as one revelation of Christ. Christ on every page. Christ the face of Christ shining through the lattice work of the text. Not such not such the wicked. So here have the two ways. The wicked are like chaff the wind sweeps away. Not the wicked when judgment comes to rise up and plead their cause sinners will have no part in the reunion of the just they walk the just under the Lord's protection Uh, the image of walking under the Lord's protection uh, is I think uh, an allusion to uh, the uh, pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night during the exodus They walk the just under the Lord's protection. The path the wicked, how soon is it lost to sight? So I think it's important to relate (coughs) the first psalm with the description of the two ways to uh, the 72nd chapter of Holy Book, in which St. Benedict sets forth two ways, the way of good zeal and the way of the bitter zeal. And then, there is the discourse of Moses. I don't know if it's still done, but back when I was in school, um, the use of transparencies was all the rage. I suppose that's no longer done. But you put a a piece of clear plastic uh, film on a a projector, and you could write uh, various things, uh, and you could read uh, one text through an image. You know what I'm talking about? But it's a very... uh, useful way of understanding the way monks read uh, texts in their lexio Divina. Reading one text through another, as through a kind of transparency. And so, I want you to listen to this discourse of Moses at the end of the St. Benedict says in the prologue concerning uh, the return of a man to God by obedience, God from whom a man has become estranged by disobedience, This, this idea of the return. Once more thou and thy children will be true heart and soul. To those commandments of his which I have enjoined upon thee. And the Lord, in pity, will restore thee from banishment, will gather in those sons of thine from the lands in which he has dispersed them. Yes, though they should be sundered far apart as pole from pole, the Lord thy God will bring them back again summoning them to return and take possession of the land where their fathers dwelt, granting them his blessing till they are more in number than ever their fathers were. He will rid thy heart and the hearts of thy children of all defilement, and thou wilt find life in loving the Lord thy God, heart and soul. It's a wonderful promise. And I hear that promise in the seventy-second chapter of the Holy Rule. Thou wilt find all the commandments I am giving thee this day. It's extraordinary how this discourse of Moses can be related to the rule of St. Benedict. Not only to chapter 72, but also to the prologue. And the Lord thy God will prosper thee in all thy enterprises. Good zeal. Children born to thee, thy cattle and thy lands fruitful, all things thine in abundance. Once more The Lord will take delight in blessing these people, (coughs) as He did in their fathers' days. But only if thou wilt obey. But only if thou wilt obey. I'm reminded of that episode in the life of Mother Tilda when she was tempted to run away from her monastery in Paris had all become too much for her, responsibility, poverty, the legal complications, uh, the ecclesiastical and royal politics. She just wanted to run away to La Sainte-Bôme, where Don Elijah and I prayed Not a week ago, to that cave in the south of France where Mary Magdalene dwelt. returning heart and soul to him, thy Lord and thy God. It is not above thy reach. This, this is Moses speaking, but I hear St. Benedict. It is not above thy reach. It is not beyond thy compass. This duty, which I am now enjoining upon thee, does not St. Benedict call the holy rule a little It is not a secret laid up in heaven that thou must needs find someone to scale heaven and bring it down to thee before thou canst hear what it is and obey it. It is not an art practiced far overseas that thou must wait for someone to go voyaging and bring it back to thee before thou canst learn to live by it. No, this message of mine is close to my side. Rises to thy lips. It is printed on thy memory. Thou hast told me to fulfill it. You see why I want to read this on the second to the last day of the reading of the Holy See, I have set before thee this day a choice between life and death, between good fortune and ill. Bitter zeal, good zeal. Thou hast only to fulfill it. Thou art to love the Lord thy God and follow the path He has chosen for thee to hold fast by all His commandments and observances and decrees if thou wouldst live and thrive and prosper through Him in the land that is to be thy home. It's a very benedict The monk is uh, an amator, loci et fratum, lover of the place and of the brethren. If thy heart becomes estranged from him, so that thou dost no longer obey him, but art tempted away into worshipping other gods and doing them service, then I warn thee here and now that it will be thy ruin for thyself on the other side of Jordan will be thine only for a little. I call heaven and earth to witness this day that I have set such a choice before thee, life or death, a blessing or a curse. Wilt thou not choose life, long life for thyself and for those that come after thee? Wilt thou not learn to love the Lord thy God, and obey Him, and keep close to His side? And I find that very beautiful, uh, relating it to the image of St. John resting on the side of Jesus. Wilt thou not learn to love the Lord thy God, and obey Him who obeys to listen? Uh, St. John Paul II in Orientale uh, lumen Treats of the monastic life masterfully. And in Oriental Lumen, he defines monastic obedience as the listening that changes life. It's a very uh, wonderful uh, definition of monastic obedience, the listening that changes life. Thou hast no life, no hope of long continuance, but in him. Shall not the land which he promised as a gift to thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, be thine to dwell in. thirty. So I find that text very powerful when we read both the prologue and chapter 72 through it. Chapter 72 sums up all that St. Benedict would have us understand and practice in these four concluding chapters. 69, 70, 71, and 72, dedicated to the charity and unity of the monastic family. The monk who is tempted to walk apart from the path taken by his fathers and brothers, even if he thinks that the path he would choose for himself is more perfect than that uh, taken by his fathers and brothers, Or more observant, or more faithful. Such a man risks forfeiting what he already has in his own community, that is, the daily and hourly opportunity to share by patience in the sufferings of Christ. By putting aside his own notions of perfection in order to practice humility, obedience, silence and charity in the ordinary common life. How many monks deceived by the bitter zeal of spiritual pride have forsaken the common way set forth by their abbot and faithfully trod by their brethren in search of some illusory stricter observance only to end up with no observance at all becoming lonely restless men forever seeking and never finding the ideal monastery with its perfect abbot, its perfect brethren its perfect choir and its longest observance there's a wonderful novel written on this theme um, Cosmos or the Love of God and by Pierre de Calon it was written by a layman who never lived in the monastic land. But he had such an insight into the psychology of this young monk in this novel uh, who, who leaves his monastery. How many times? Who's read it? Donald how many? How many times does he leave and then come back? Uh, but he, he leaves repeatedly and then uh, returns, but I won't give away the, the ending of because it's a stunning ending. So if you want to read it, ask me and I'll give it to you. It's, it's a, uh, a tremendous read. Um, chapter 72 corresponds in some way to the end of the prologue. And so I would have you today join the two together. The end of have, therefore, to establish a school of the Lord's service, in the setting forth of which we hope to order nothing that is harsh or rigorous. But, if anything be somewhat strictly laid down, according to the dictates of sound reason, for the amendment of vices, for the preservation of charity, do not, therefore, fly in dismay from the way of salvation, whose beginning cannot but be straight, S T R I T, meaning narrow. Uh, whose beginning, I talking here about the beginning of the monastic life, cannot but be straight, narrow, and difficult. But as we go forward, does not promise the dilated heart and the unspeakable sweetness of love at the beginning of the monastic journey. He does not promise it at the beginning. We shall with hearts enlarged and, and unspeakable sweetness of love run in the way of God's commandments, so that never departing from His guidance. Whenever I, I see this line, departing from His guidance, I seem to see um, Judas departing from the guidance of Christ uh, leaving the cenacle, Leaving the Cynical. And St. John says, almost to and it was night. So St. Benedict says, never departing from his guidance, but persevering in his teaching in the monastery until death, we may by patience share in the sufferings of Christ. Patience and passion are related words. Uh, They they are derived from the same Latin, uh, the same Latin etymology, patience and passion. We may by patience share in the passion of Christ, that we may deserve to be partakers of his kingdom. So I, I think it helpful to take chapter 72 and to link it up that last part of the prologue. Tomorrow we read the last chapter of the Holy Rule, 73, and on September 1st we begin a new reading of the Holy Rule. And the reading that begins on September 1st is, is very significant. It corresponds to um, the, in the East, uh, the Mineon begins in September. There's something about, at some level, the beginning of September is a time of uh, starting fresh. So I would want us to uh, hear the reading of the Holy Rule, beginning on September 1st, um, uh, with with particular attention. And I do intend to distribute uh, different commentaries on the Holy Rule to all of the novices, uh, so that you can follow along as we read the rule in chapter with another commentary apart from my own so that this can be a very profitable reading of the rule this September.